Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Regina Vasquez. Regina, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> All right. Well, um, well, we connected on Instagram, so I'm excited to showcase your journey. If, if you, you're listening in, Regina is a Houston-based attorney focused on bankruptcy. So uh, we're going to, we're going to, toward the end of the show, we're going to let you know how you can find Regina if you have any concerns in, in, in going through a bankruptcy yourself, or if you know somebody, you can refer to her. But uh, we'll go ahead and jump right in. Uh, Regina, let's get into the interview portion of the podcast. What inspired you to become an attorney? Oh, this is kind of interesting or kind of different, I would say, um, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be the first female president. That was like my jam. That's what I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm, in, I'm talking about like four years old. Like when they first start asking you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd be like, I want to be the first, you know, female president. So my mom was like, well, you know that most politicians, they actually are attorneys. So you should go to law school. So my mom was, I always call my mom a Chinese mother. She was always like very... She always pushed me really hard. So um, she was like, you need to go to law school. You need to go to law school. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go to law school. So that was really my thing. I wanted to be a politician. I wanted to be the president of the United States. Um, mm. And this is a good, I guess, story for anyone who's in college right now or, or anything like that, because um, that's what I want to do, politics. I got through my bachelor's degree. My bachelor's degree is in political science. Mm. My very last year, I did an internship for the House of Representatives um, there in Texas in Austin, and I hated it. I absolutely mm. hated it. Like the whole politics of everything, you know, like the backroom kind of stuff, the the deals, all the the lobbyist, all of that kind of stuff, like really rubbed me the wrong way. And it's really a boys club too. So it really, really rubbed me the wrong way, but it was so late in the game. It was my senior year. So I was like, well, I guess I'm still gonna go to law school. I mean, I was completely thrown off track. I had no idea, but so I was like, okay, I, I guess I'm still gonna go to law school. So I still went to law school, but that's a good, um, thing for anyone that's listening that's in college do your internships early that way you get a taste of what it is that you're trying to go for um, and, and you know that way you can get a taste because maybe you don't like it maybe you won't even want to go for what you think you want to go for mm. um, you never know you know you never know until you're in there <laughs> I, love, I, I love the insight because sometimes we fall in love with the idea uh, the idea of a dream as opposed to the actual dream itself. But I, I love the awareness and the realization because I, you know, I, I talk to a number of people, um, especially of course in, in, as college students and they're trying to figure out what they're gonna do for the rest of their life. And they have this dream goal, dream job. And sometimes when you get to that dream goal or dream job, like you said, you find out it's not all you expected or hoped it would be. Yes. Yeah, so definitely do stuff for free, do internships, do summer stuff. Um, you know, and, and get out there and do work for something for free, just so you could kind of get a taste of it and see if it's something you want to do. And, 
And, you know, you never know. It might be like, oh, my God, I love it. And it might be like me, like, oh, my God, this isn't for me. Mm. You know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Sure. So, yeah. And and I I love the dream. I I I love the dream early on, and then I love the also the the idea of your mom being such a support for you, and really like this motivating factor. You know, sometimes we ha- we have friends or our family members who are like those spurs, um, in our side to get moving, to focus, and to have the drive, and and to give you the the give you the pathway forward of hey, this is what it's going to take to reach your dream. Yeah, and we could probably do a whole separate podcast on my mother because, I mean, yeah, she was definitely, like I said, more of like, um, you know, if I came home with a B, she would be like, well, couldn't couldn't have this have been an A? Um, short story really quick. Even when I called her when I was graduating uh, law school with honors, I was like, mom, I can't believe it. I'm graduating cum laude. And her very first response was, why not summa cum laude? So my, that's always been my mom is more of a like reach higher. That's not good enough kind of mom, which mm. you know can be bad. But then also, you know, obviously, you know, I wouldn't be where I am, you know, without her constantly, you know, pushing me uh, to do better and to expect more um, out of myself. So yeah, yes. it, it can be good and it can be bad, but right, yeah, right. she's the main factor. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think. I think we, we probably both lived long enough to see um, the cautionary tales of not doing that. And then we see also see stories like you, where you're like, hey, well, mm-hmm. see, look, look what um, can happen if you parent in this way, you know? So, so it, it's good to see you are a high achiever and you've seemed to really uh, use that, that parenting style to maximize uh, your career and the trajectory of your life path. Yes, yes. So t- talk to me, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? Um, I guess really just being able to bridge the gap. You know, I guess the main part, I, I guess you do have to have a license to do it. So it's it's something that someone can come to me with a problem and I can navigate it pretty easily because I only do bankruptcy. I don't do anything else. So it's it's really a niche. So it's sometimes sometimes it's variable but I like I know it it's it's my thing you know mm-hmm. so to speak so I love when someone comes to me they're like oh you know I have you know this problem and being able to okay well this is how we get you know let me navigate it for you like let me this is where we go this is what we're going to do a b c d e f g and I being like an expert in something I think that that's really um you know it's nice it's nice to to be able to do that, you know, um, I guess I'm, I'm proud of it. Yes. You know, you know, you, you reminded me of this quote I heard this past week when you, when you said what you, what you, what you just described, like, like the most successful people have five things they do 5,000 times versus 5,000 things they do five times. And what I heard from you is, you know, you said niche and this expertise, this specialty that you have it's really helped you to fine tune and become an expert in that one area. And I know people out there that are, you know, sometimes I can be all over the place and I, and, you know, I could have a new hobby every half week, you know, um, every, 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 every week that goes by, I got like two new hobbies because, Oh, like I'm, I'm easily fascinated and seem to be endlessly distracted. Right. <laughs> um, but, but, but I, I love the idea of, 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 of a specialty in really any industry that it allows you to have, Maybe what um, 
Malcolm Gladwell said to have that 10,000 hours of practice to become that, to, to, to obtain, mm -hmm. to a, attain that mastery uh, skill set. Yeah, and you can really use that, I think, in any part of your life if you want to be good at anything. I mean, it's it's basically like a muscle. I mean, your brain is a muscle too. So, mm -hmm. I mean, anything, you just got to keep on exercising it over and over and over and over. And then that's how you master something. Yes. Yeah. Use it over and over and over. That's right. I, I, there's another quote I, I remember hearing about, like falling in love with repetition or falling in love with boredom even sometimes. Um, but, but tell me a little bit more about that. Like, how did you decide to specialize in bankruptcy of all, you know, there's so many categories of the law. Like what, what, what made you go, you know, bankruptcy is it for me. <laughs> okay. This is kind of like a random, like, you know, my life is always these like series of forks in the road. So, um, first started law school, I was like, oh my God, I want to be a business attorney. I want to, you know, um, do business law. That's what I want to do. I ended up taking tax taxation as a class. I fell in love with it. Um, I love something about the bankruptcy code. And I noticed that all of, uh, excuse me, the tax code and none, no, everyone hated it. Everyone hated it in law school. Um, probably ask any attorney, they'll, they'll just be like, oh, tax. Um, but I loved it. And I loved that I loved it. And I would look around and everyone hated it. And I just really understood it. Like I can read a law. And you know, when you read a law, it's like, all of these extra words and these, you know, weird things, because they're supposed to mean something. And that's what's supposed to mean. So there's not supposed to be a lot of a lot of uh, interpretation, you know, in it. So um, it's hard to read, but I love it. I really love it. Um, but to be a good tax attorney, you really have to go an extra year of law school to get what's called your LLM, your master's in law, um, you know, to do taxation. So my husband had supported me, um, you know, for two years, my last two years of law school, I didn't work. So he supported me, uh, you know, hundred percent. And he was like, I can't do it. I just can't do another year. It's too much. Obviously it's, you know, it's really stressful to be in charge of all of the bills and everything. So he said, I can't do it. Well, my last year of law school, I interned for the chapter 13 bankruptcy trustee here in Houston. And bankruptcy is obviously it's dealing with federal law and it is really code driven as well. So I said, you know what? I mean, I it's kind of the same variable, federal and, you know, code driven. So I was like, I could really get into this. So I, again, it was just kind of like led to it um, and, and just kept kept up with it after that after that I worked for a um, bankruptcy law firm and it just kind of like they say like the rest is history mm -hmm. um, I weird path I guess on how I got to my own law firm I never wanted to own my own law firm um, that's just not really what I thought I wanted to do I've always been kind of a worker bee like you give me something to do and I do it you know a thousand percent I you know knock it out of the park. That's what I like. I like for someone to give me an assignment and I just, you know, show off, you know, like, sure. look how good I did this. Mm -hmm. um, so I've always been like a worker bee. But um, when I started working, uh, I, I switched law firms in 2014 to a law firm called Swindell and Associates. And he had multiple law firms um, in San Antonio and Fort Worth. 
uh, here in Houston. Obviously, I ran his office here in Houston and he was getting ready to retire. He wanted to settle down and he started selling off law firms like, you know, his San Antonio office, his Fort Worth office. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to have a job. And um, lo and behold, I ended up, you know, saying, you know, I ended up negotiating with him to do a uh, contract where if he did decide to sell the Houston branch that I would have the first option to purchase that um, because, you know, for job security is really why I started it, but it ended up being the best thing in the world. I definitely am a strong believer in entrepreneurship and, and owning your own, your own, um, your own business, you know, like owning, owning, you know, where you're at, you know, having that ownership interest in it. And I just, I really think, you know, obviously God has a plan and God knows exactly what he's doing and, and how to do it. Even when you don't know, mm -hmm. um, he knows, he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, even, even if, if you don't. So, I mean, I think he led me right where I needed to be at the exact right time. Um, and it ended up working out completely mm -hmm. for the best and for, for my life. Um, and this is going to be a little bit really personal, but I struggled, you know, me and my husband have been together since we were in high school. So we worked a really long time not getting pregnant because I wanted to finish school. Then I wanted to finish law school. So I worked really hard um, and he did as well and not getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. So then we got married in 2013 and we're like, okay, now let's, let's get pregnant. Let's do it. And, um, I couldn't get pregnant. I, I just could not get pregnant. We ended up having to go through IVF um, and I have twins, you know, thank God a boy and a girl. And it was actually right after I had purchased the law firm. So because I own the law firm, I was able to really manipulate my schedule to be with my family and to be with my kids. And even right now, if right now, you know, my husband were to call and say hey you know Raiden's running a fever I need you to come home I don't have anyone to answer to and that's that's a big deal especially you know with families so mm. again I think you know God's time you know is, is is perfect and it ended up being the exact right time you know for me and for my life um, what led me to being here today and, and owning you know my my law firm yes I, uh, when I'm listening to all the forks, right, as you said at the beginning, when you started answering this, so it was like fork one, it was um, falling in love with tax. And then it was like fork two, you know, having a conversation with your husband about, hey, another year now, bankruptcy. And then, for, you know, fork three, um, go to from one law firm to another. Fork four, you know, go from that, that law firm to hey, he's selling it. And then you, and then you, you uh, negotiated the opportunity to become the owner. And of course, I, I, I always tell people, whenever people are vulnerable, um, just like how you were about your own journey. I think it, it adds so much power and authenticity because people know, hey, look, I'm not just telling you the, the glitz and glamorous part of my journey, but I'm also telling you the real, the authentic, the personal um, experience that I, that I went through. So one, thank you for your, your vulnerability, but I also, I value and appreciate how you talked about this trusting God with the process, um, even with the dream, right? Um, and and, and uh and, and even I, I, I want to also highlight how you said you noticed there was something you started becoming fascinated and enjoying that not a lot of other people were. 
And, and I relate to that as a, as a communicator and as a speaker, because, you know, public speaking is my thing. I love getting in front of people. I love motivating, encouraging, inspiring them, giving them principles that I've learned that help people be successful. You know, even principles you're sharing today. Like I love take, I love being the, the vessel taking the principles from, you know, from Regina over to other people. So they know, Hey, this is from a, a real person doing real things. And, but just realizing people hate public speaking. A lot of people do, but it happens to be something that I love, but that, that's something I heard in your story is you found something that you, you, you were, um, you were intensely fascinated by and you enjoyed. And then you found a way to even incorporate that into what you do with, with bankruptcy. So anyway, I'm saying all of that because I, th I think it's, it's a great principle to find something you enjoy because probably the, the number of people that have shared with me how much they hate their job or how they what they do it's probably like 90 percent of the people um and that's just it's just it's crazy it's crazy yeah and that's honestly it's good advice for anyone and it goes for any industry find something that you love that people hate and monopolize it so like you you know, people are scared of public speaking. You thrive off of it. So make it a career, you know, and find a way to, you know, monopolize it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, if someone out there, you know, hates, you know, making, you know, breakfast tacos. Someone hates cooking. Mm -hmm. Guess what? There, there are people who make millions of dollars, you know, owning multiple restaurants and, and things like that because they took a need someone doesn't want to do and, and make, makes money off it. I mean, that is what America is. That is, I guess what capitalism is. That's, that's what we're based off of is take something that someone doesn't want to do. And well, I'll do it for you. Pay me to do it, sure. you know, and, and uh, make money off of it. Right. And you know what? I, I also love what you, what you shared of choosing to negotiate with the owner to tell me about like, Tell me, I guess, go a little bit deeper. So tell me a little bit more about that, because that to me, that's just like blow away as you even thought of that as a possibility, because I don't know. I don't know how everybody else would have perceived that situation. But to think that you can become this, you know, this first time law firm owner, um, as you said, with, that wasn't even part of the plan or the ambition when you started off. Like, like what what even made you believe that was an option? Like, tell me more about it. I didn't. Uh, the truth is, I didn't know it was an option. The truth is, I was scared. I was so scared of not having a job. I was, um, I had just bought this Jeep. It was fully loaded. You know, of course, it was, you know, the payments were high. I was so scared. I, I sold it. I bought a used car. Um, I was scared. It was really out of fear, you know, and I was like, what am I going to do? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fixing to not have a job. Um, so I said, I, like I said, I, I hadn't even thought about really me purchasing it and me owning it. It really came out of fear. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. And that, and it just came out of that. And I said, you know what? Let me just give it a shot. Why? I mean, I pretty much already run this place anyway. Why not throw my name on the door? Why not me do it? You know, and it just came like that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to ask him. Um, and I was really nervous. Like, well, what is he going to? But, you know, the worst thing that can happen is somebody say no. Right. So mm -hmm. I was like, 
I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, Hey, will you give me the first option to try to purchase, you know, this law firm? Because another thing was coming up with the money to purchase the law firm. I had no idea. I had, you know, nothing. Um, but fortunately we live in an age of Google. We live in an age of internet where you can learn anything that you absolutely, anything in the world that you want to know. If I want to learn Mandarin, Chinese, I can mm -hmm. take the time and, and learn it if I wanted to. So I started looking up, okay, what are SBA loans and how do you get an SBA loan? What What is an SBA loan? Um, and unfortunately, I got denied for an SBA loan. I And I, again, I just kept, I just kept trying. So I asked him, hey, will you give me the option, the first option to purchase? He ended up saying yes, thankfully. I tried for months and months to get an SBA loan. I couldn't do it because I, you know, a law firm doesn't have collateral other than, you know, desks and computers. We don't have, you know, real assets. So the bank mm -hmm. was like, you know, sorry, no, I, I kept getting no, but I kept on. And finally I ended up negotiating with like, Hey, I'm just, how about I just make you payments? You know, you're ready to retire. Don't you need monthly income? Let, let me pay you monthly. Um, and luckily he ended up saying yes. I mean, it, it would kind of like shots in the dark. Like, let me just try it. Let me just try it. Let me just ask him if he'll give me the first option. And he did it. And then I tried to get a loan. It didn't work. I said, let me just ask him if he'll let me make payments to him. And he did. Yes. Um, so it was really just out of fear um, of being unemployed and just taking, taking a shot, you know, taking a shot in the dark and seeing, you know, what would happen and fortunately you know he said yes and and, and i ended up you know here yes the story right there there's probably two virtues that stand out more than any the story you just told uh number one was courage and and i, I love the idea of courage being um it's it's not it's not the absence of fear it's facing the fear you know it's it's taking action despite the fear we have in our minds and our hearts and doing something anyway and then I think what I heard from you was also persistence. You kept trying, you kept trying. And even put, I think there's even this humility, putting that, the, the ego aside of going like, hey, I don't want to, you know, I don't want him to know I, I couldn't get the, you know, the SBA loan. And I don't, I don't want to see, you know, even sometimes I, I know enough about people to, to know people go, well, I don't want to look desperate, you know? And, but putting that aside and choosing, you know what? I'm simply going to make the offer to do what I can with what I have and then see where it goes and having the courage to take those steps forward. I think those are universal principles that anybody can use, you know, to be courageous, to be persistent, to have the humility, especially when it comes to um, negotiation in that world. Yeah. Cause you never know, you never know. And like I say, what's the worst? The worst thing that could happen is he said no. I mean, I would have had to, you know, apply for jobs. I'm sure I would have, you know, I would have landed somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to ask because you, you really don't know, you know? Yes, yes, yes. So for someone who was just starting their law firm, what, what, what advice would you give them? Like, hey, um, you know, Regina, I'm starting my law firm. Um, what advice would you offer to them? Oh, yeah, I, I'd be like. <laughs> 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 no, I would definitely just say, you know, I think you kind of 
said something in the very beginning kind of about, um, you know, like the glitz and glam, you know, when people think of owning their own business, you think of the good stuff, you know, you think of, yeah, I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to, you know, you know, but uh, you're also, you know, tied to your business, you know, your income, you know, it's not always up, you know, it's not always good. You know, you have bad months, especially obviously everyone is going through, you know, 2020 right now. Um, and so you, you have bad times, you know, you have times where you can't pay yourself. You have times where you can't um, do that. So I would definitely advise when you have your highs, you know, set money aside because, you don't know when the lows come, you don't know how long, you know, you're going to be low. Mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely a challenge. Um, so just, I would say, be prepared for that. Be prepared for, for the lows, you know, the, the best that you can try to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. um, and definitely don't, don't skip out on, on the advertising. It's easy whenever you are in the lows to say, oh, well, let me just stop advertising. But then if you stop advertising, it's like putting a dam up, you know, you're stopping the water from coming in and you, you're never able to get out. So definitely I would say number one, prepare for the lows. And number two, don't skimp on the advertising. Mm, wow, uh, powerful. And, and uh, yeah, I think those are living below our means and not giving into lifestyle inflation those are uh, that's a pillar principle and again like as, as we said earlier you know these are universal principles that can be used at any point in our, in our journey because there's so much uncertainty seemingly now more than ever with um with whether it's how our business is going to go or in, in this context of even how a law firm with people that are starting their law firm how that's going to go but I think setting aside money and I, and I love how you talked about like continuing the grind of advertising, you know, that mm -hmm. to, to, to advertise, to put yourself out there, to um, continue to invest in something that's going to continue to grow the business in a uh, long-term fashion. Yes. Yes. So, and I know we didn't have this question as part of the, um, the, uh, the initial set of questions I sent to you, but, but I was curious is, is how has your, your business like adjusted through, you know, through COVID, COVID-19, through the, through the pandemic, how, how has your um, business shifted and adjusted through the, through the journey? Oh, it's changed so much. I've had to basically rearrange kind of the way I do business. Um, so it always used to be that, um, we have to meet with clients face to face. It's even like in part of our rules um, in our bankruptcy court, we have what, what are called fixed fee agreements. And it's actually in there that we met with the client an hour face to face. So face to face was a really big deal, you know, in, in our um, industry. So even whenever a client would call a potential client would call, you know, my receptionist wouldn't even patch them through to me. It would be like, no, you have to come into the office. You have to come into the office. Obviously, in the world that we live in right now, that is just not it. So um, it didn't take me that long to click to it. But I, I it definitely took an adjustment to be like, no, if a PC is on the phone or a potential client is on the phone, get them to me right now. Let me just do the consultation uh, virtually. Let me talk to them on the phone and, and do it all now, like now, because I know that I'm not the only attorney who's at home. Um, you know, and obviously we're back in the office now, but we're still not meeting with clients the same way. So, but I know that, 
you know, you can go down to the next person on Google and chances are you're going to get to talk to the attorney now. It's it's not the same world that it used to be where we were kind of more um, exclusive and you had to make an appointment and you had to come in and see us. Um, you know, we're living more in a virtual world right now and 2020 has pushed us, you know, to really be in, in a virtual kind of world. So um, it took me to more of a place of give me the phone call, give me the phone call, like let me do the consultation, you know, right then and there where before it was a little bit more, more, um, I think, inaccessible, you know, to get to, you know, where you have to wait until Tuesday at three o'clock before you can get any advice from me. Now you call, you're going to get me on the phone and you're going to get advice, you know, right away, because I don't want you to go to my competitor and get advice right now. Because who knows, he might be in his pajamas right now waiting, you know, for those phone calls. <laughs> You know, sitting there waiting. So I, I don't want you, you know, to go to them. I want, you know, obviously I want, you know, you to come to me. So I'm gonna gonna take your call and do the consultation right now. So that was definitely a, a different adjustment, you know, for for myself and for my office. But I think it's a good adjustment. I really like it a lot better, you know, because a lot of times, sometimes you don't need bankruptcy. Um, and that way we get it out of the way, you know, right then and there and you don't waste your time or your gas money or anything like that. And, you know, that way, you know, right away. And a lot of times people who need bankruptcy don't even know they need it. So that's good too. Sometimes they're calling me about a repossession, about a foreclosure, and they don't even know that they actually do need a bankruptcy. And I get to talk to them about that right away rather than if my assistant were to take the call to try to set an appointment, they'd be like, Oh, I don't need a bankruptcy. That's not what I want. And hang up and never know that, know that that is actually what you need, but they needed to talk to me to kind of get that advice first. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. I, the visual you gave me as you were sharing, it was like, it's, it's become in some ways um, a little bit more of a race between you and your competitors, as far as the availability that you had, that you have, you know, it's, it's a, um, uh, your presence. Yeah, I think your, your presence has, although it, of course it was precious before, but like the, um, the timing of your presence has become almost more valuable to be more present sooner as opposed to later. Exactly. Cause I know that everyone's doing it by the phone now. So, you know, why wait to set you up, you know, for later, if I can take you right now, you know? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yes. Yes, and we're going to give you this information later, but we'll also put it in, put it in right now. So if you want to give Regina Vances a call about bankruptcy or about foreclosure, about some of those things she just mentioned, her, the phone number to reach her is 713-344-0997. And as you just heard, she's striving to be as available as possible to get to you as soon as possible, because she does want you to go to her and not her competitor. That's true. And you can also send a text message to that phone number. Um, so even if it's after hours on the weekend, you can shoot a text message, a question, and we would get back to you right away. Mm, yes. Look at that versatility. <laughs> I love it. So tell me, what is one thing you would do as an attorney or even as a law firm owner if you knew you couldn't fail? Oh, you know, that's a tough one. I mean, that's that's a really, really tough one. I, I don't know. Um, I really don't know if there's something, you know, out there that I would really want to do. I mean, honestly, again, I am like a pretty firm believer and if you want to do it, learn it and do it. So 
I don't think that there's anything out there that I'm not doing that I want to do. I mean, this is, you know, where I want to be. Um, and if, if something did come along one day or something that I wanted to do, I would probably grind and learn how to do it and start doing it. So, um, yeah, I definitely, definitely believe in that. So, um, I'm doing it. I'm doing what I want to do right now. All right. And so, so, and, and there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with hey, this is that's your your strong spot. Your strong spot is you see it, you do it. You know, you you're not leaving anything on the table, waiting for potentially later down the line. You've already been pursuing things that you see, and that you want to do. I, I love that. And I think that's a message for the for the for the rest of us. You know, when we have things on the table that we want to do, um, to take the initiative. You know, so Virginia. Yeah. Regina seems to have that 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 strength. I mean, she's always, she's been taking this different initiatives already in her journey, and I think that's a message for us as well. Um, is and, and really, it speaks about your journey, whether it's negotiating for the law firm. Like, if if you knew you wouldn't fail, why not? You know, right. and taking on um, taking on that uh, that responsibility. And, yeah, uh, and like and one thing that I do want to do right now, one thing that I'm learning and kind of reading, uh, listening looking at YouTubes and all kinds of internet stuff is Instagram. Like I, again, cause I, our business model has changed so much to virtual where I didn't really play into social media that much, but, Oh, you know what? I, I watched a movie. That's what really changed. What's it called? Like social. Oh man. It's on Netflix. The social it's on like, is that what it's called? Where like they tell you how scary social media is. Right. How it's taking over. Okay. Okay. As a business owner, I read that, or I, you know, excuse me, I saw it. And instead of being scared or being like, oh my God, I need to put down my phone. It, it's taking over my life. I was like, how do I tap into this? How? I don't mind it. You know, listen to me. If I'm talking about skis, show me some skis. That's fine. But how do I get into it where someone's talking about repossession, about foreclosure? I want to be on their phone too. <laughs> you know, I, the opposite. I was like, how, okay, it's how can you know, how is this only money for Apple and these big companies? I want in on it too. Like, I want to make money like this too. I want to, I want to be, you know, present everywhere. So, one thing I really started focusing on in the last, you know, couple weeks after watching that, that movie is building my Instagram. So, I've been trying to like learn free apps and like I said, watching all these YouTube videos about, you know, Instagram posts and stuff. And that's exactly what led me even here to you today, to your listeners. And hopefully they will follow me on Instagram. So my dream of building my Instagram uh, will come true because again, the tools are out there. I just, I'm, I'm a student right now. I'm a student of social media right now, trying to learn how to use those tools and, you know, for my business. So that way it can grow. Yes, that's right. No, you're right. You're, this is a testimonial to your grind and hustle and <laughs> expanding your Instagram presence because that's the reason I was able to find you. So, yeah. um, absolutely. So, yes, if you're if you're listening in, um, and uh, go over to Legally Vasquez and follow my friend Regina Vasquez, my new friend, because we just connected yesterday on Instagram. Um, so go go follow her, help her account. You know, go go like some of the the images and engage with some of her content um, so we, we can help her grow her Instagram accounts. 
Yeah, and if y'all have any tips, you know, DM me if you think like, oh man, this this shot is ugly, or, <laughs> or you know, just DM me and let me know. <laughs> yes, I love I love the the ambition for uh, for feedback and for growth for sure. All right, so um, what have you found? I know you talked about advertising earlier, so I'm gonna ask you about it because a number of law firms uh, are curious about that, which is. What has been the best way you found to market your law firm? Ooh, um, I, I love Google. Um, again, we are on, I, I really, I push um, for Google reviews. I push my clients, you know, when they've had good experiences to write me reviews on Google. Um, just because you got to kind of think like a client. So, when I, for example, when I needed to go to the dentist, you know, last year, first thing I did, Google best dentist in Houston. And what did I do? I read reviews. I wanted to know what other people, what experience they had. If they didn't have, you know, five stars or if I'm looking at a four star one and a five star one, I'm going to, I went with the five star one, of course. So I try to look at it the same way. So I try my best to treat my clients top priority because I want them to go out there and write me a five-star review because I know not only for them to give them good service, I know that that means a lot, that they'll, one, tell other people about me, their friends, their cousins, anyone else who's having you know that situation. But when I ask them to write me a review, they're going to do it because... I gave them, you know, the most that I could. Um, and so that reputation, I guess, building a good reputation and making sure that that reputation is accessible on something like Google, um, because that's how people are going to find you. So if you it's almost like karma, you know, if you give it out, you know, you'll get it. So the same thing, give your clients good. You'll get good reviews. And those those reviews matter. Um, you can also do things like Google ads and stuff like that. But don't waste your money on Google ads if you don't have any good reviews. Because mm. again, they're going to compare, they're going to shop around. And if they see you with two stars and they see your competitor with five stars, they're going to go with the five star one. So give good service and, and watch it come back and grow for you. Mm, yes. I love it. I love it. Um, maximizing Google. And w- what I love about it is you ask for your clients to go do the reviews and that's you're you would be surprised how how often that does not happen where people won't they don't want to impose they don't want to make it a little bit uncomfortable you know and but but i i love that you do that um because it does i I mean one of one of my go-to books on helping business owners become more persuasive and influential is a Robert, Dr. Robert Cialdini's, um, his book on influence, on persuasion. It's the, the scientific um, pillars of persuasion. And one of those is what you just said, which is social proof. People want to know, you know, we do it on Amazon when we shop. We do it on Google when we shop. We're looking for, well, how many people and have said good things about them and what good things did they say? And based on these, even if it's these complete strangers what do complete strangers think about this person but even how you said if it's a family member or friend it's that much more powerful to have the social proof 
that gives you the credibility for what you do as an attorney? Yeah, because I think, again, you just have to look at it as yourself. Like if you're trying to answer a question, like how do I get more clients? You got to think, well, what, how do I find businesses? What, what do I do? Like even me and my husband, we were trying to look for a good Mexican restaurant, a different one. You know, sometimes you want to change it up. So we were looking at, you know, restaurants and we found this restaurant. And even if you Google it right now, it's El Paso Mexican restaurant here in Houston. And they have so many reviews and I forgot the name now, of course, but hundreds of reviews mention this specific waiter and how amazing he is. So me and my husband literally went to this restaurant we're like, is so-and-so working? Because we want to sit in his section. I mean, <laughs> that specific. I mean, we literally went to a restaurant that we've never gone to before and asked for a waiter that we don't even know because those Google reviews were so, I mean, they were praising him so much. I was like, he must, I don't know what he does. I didn't even know what he, maybe he twirls plates. I mean, <laughs> I, they made it sound like he was like the most amazing thing since sliced bread. I was like, we have to go eat there and we have to sit in his section. So, I mean, it means, it means a lot. Google reviews, I think mean a lot, you know, in the society that we live in right now. So sure. definitely for sure take advantage of it. Mm, I love that. I love that example. So, uh, what? Uh, so, did he? Did, so, what was his secret sauce? So did y'all get a chance to sit at his his? No, section? he wasn't working. Oh no! <laughs> but see, it still brought us there, and we still ate there. You there know? Go. Yes, yes, yes. There, but yeah, he wasn't working. So yeah, try again. <laughs> so, if I'm ever in Houston, I'll be thinking about this one server yeah. at the El Paso Mexican restaurant. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, Google it and look at those reviews. I mean, they're hilarious. I mean, there's so many of them. And another thing about asking, you know, for every 20 clients that I ask to do a Google review, I only get one. But like you said, it's about persistence. You, you know, of course, I don't want to bug them. I'm not going to bug the same client over and over, but I'll ask every single client. And like I said, maybe for every 20, I actually get one of them to actually do the review. But still, I mean, it's about persistence and, you know, keeping it up and, and being consistent on, on what you want to do. So I consistently ask every client to do a review whenever they get their discharge. So it's just about, you know, making like kind of little roadmap and um, putting in those things that you want in, into it and being consistent about it. I love it. I, I love the consistency. And I love the perspective because sometimes you do get go through. Hey, we we'll asked five people for testimonials and then no, no, none of them worked out or even, you know, um, I released my book last week on Amazon. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking people, of course, it's always this interesting thing. Some people haven't read the whole book. So it's like, hey, if you've read a couple of chapters and you liked it and you feel comfortable, give me the five star review on Amazon. And so and I, I, I relate to that because some, you know, you could ask a lot of people, um, for uh, for reviews, you know, in, in your context, you were talking about Google. In my context, I'm talking about Amazon. Um, but to be persistent through some of the people who won't, to get to those few people who will, um, highlighting what you said about. Yeah, like even for you, if there's any, you need to just make it a habit. If anyone DMs you and asks you a question about their book, about your book, you know they read it, you know they've enjoyed it because they took the time out to find you and DM you and be like, hey, you know, I appreciate that you, you know, enjoy my book, go write me, you know, go give me five stars on Amazon, you know, and just making that habit of every time you interact with someone about your book, 
to do it. Yes. You know, not everyone's going to do it, but at least you get more, more out there. You know, it's so, just about creating that habit. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take my home, my homework from the podcast, everybody. <laughs> so if you're listening in, I'm going to say the homework that Regina just gave me. So I have, I have a list of like whatever, 40 people who like pre-ordered the book and then the people who ordered it since then. I'm going to ask every single one of individually for a review. Yeah. So we're going to see where we are now. I think we're like, I have like one review right now. So it's, it's, it's super fresh. Um, but, I, but I'm going to take the feedback that Regina's giving. And I'm going to put it into practice um, because that's where all the magic happens, where the action yeah. happens. Now, yeah. t- tell me about um, establishing work-life balance as an attorney. How do, how do you do that? Oh, well, I, I think this kind of touches on the story I gave about my kind of infertility. So it was really hard for me to have kids. So obviously it's a little bit different for me. I feel it, it might not be any different from, from anyone as a parent, but for me, I feel like it's different because obviously my kids, it took me so long and such a hard journey to get there that it is my number one, you know, priority before having kids. I really thought even, you know, I started, I took over the law firm before having kids. I really thought, cause obviously I am very ambitious and I am very, whatever I pictured myself, um, working like super late, long hours, like never, you know, never stopping the grind, you know, like all about, you know, my business. Um, but going through that, you know, um, infertility kind of gave me a better appreciation or a greater appreciation, you know, for my kids and for my family. So, um, really, I definitely make the time and I, I make it work. I make it balanced. Even my actual hours, you know, for the office are eight to four. And on Fridays, you know, they're eight to 12. Um, a couple of reasons. I mean, I really don't feel like there's any reason to be, you know, most people don't call. So they don't call me after four and I am really accessible. Most people know if they email me on a Sunday at 3 PM, I'll email them back by 3:30. I always have my phone. Um, so there's no really reason for my butt to be in the seat, so to speak. Um, and then plus like even the girls, you know, that I have here working for me, you know, what are they going to be doing? Scrolling through Facebook, you know, I mean, I might, they might as well be at home, you know, with their families um, too. So, and I think, that helps also to work product for employees, you know, you give them that time. So that way when they are here, they're productive because they know that they're not going to be here, you know, from till six, seven o'clock at night. So they're going to put in the work while they're here because they get to go home, you know, at four o'clock. So um, I try to really make that family time, you know, priority. Um, Like again, I do, you know, kind of, doze off or not doze off, but I'll stop paying attention to the kids. I'll be on my phone, you know, answering emails or doing whatever, but then I'll put the phone down and I'll try to be present and, you know, uh, and attentive. And then if you make quality time with your family, the work, then your work time is your work time. If that makes sense. I don't know. Try to be present where your feet are planted. You know, if my feet are here at work, then I'm at work and that's what I'm doing. And then if my feet are planted at home in front of my kids, then I spend that time with my kids. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I try, you know, to, to balance it out like that, to just to just be present and have, you know, quality time as opposed to just time, you know. So mm-hmm. I try. Yes, uh, um, I, I appreciate that. Um, a lot of respect to you being present where your feet are planted. I think that's a 
that's a one liner I need to put in my back pocket. Um, <laughs> and I, I really like the I like the, the poetic flow of it, but I like the principle behind it more, which is um, uh, present. You know, there, it's it's so easy in our in our world to be distracted, you know, uh, you know, uh, to get another text, mean text message, email, you get a, a ping on social media. But uh, but I think there's power in giving the focus to the people that uh, that we love the most and we care about the most. Because, yeah. you know, we, we can build all the riches in the world, but then if our, you know. Um, if you got if, nobody to share with. Right. Want, yeah. It's exactly. not very rich. It's not very rich here. That's right. You know, you can be rich money-wise, but you, you're still not rich, you know, here, mm. you know, without that love, you know, and family. Yes. <clears throat> Absolutely. Now, so the question we'll use to bring it in for a landing is, what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? Ooh, I think uh, definitely one of the favorite qualities that I have to touch on would be my husband's faith. (laughs) So I am one, just like I told you about, you know, the law firm and I was going literally crazy, sold my car, got a used car. I mean, I was going nuts. You know, uh, I'm going to be, you know, unemployed. I'm going to be, you know, whatever. My husband is always have this faith and this calm coolness about him. Like it's going to work out. It, it, it's fine. Like almost like a hippie. That's how I imagine. He's <laughs> not a hippie at all, but you know, like kind of like real go with the flow, like it'll work out. It's fine. And I admire that quality so much. And I really do wish, you know, I had that quality, but I know that it wouldn't go with my flow, but you know, that, that kind of faith that it's going to work out. Um, you know, I, I wish, I really do wish that, you know, I had a little bit more of that, you know, cause it's a little bit less stressful. It's a little bit less anxious and just more trusting that everything is going to work out. And I love that quality about him. And I guess that's why we work out, you know, cause I am more crazy and like planning and anxious and, you know, stuff like that. And he's more calm so I can lean on him. You know, when I, although sometimes it does make me mad. Like, how can you be so calm? Like, you know, it's falling apart. How can you be so calm? But he's really just like, you know, it'll be fine. It's going to work out. You know, just have faith and it'll be fine. And, and I don't know. It's a good quality. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> sure. I love hearing the favorite quality of faith um, in, in your husband. I think that's always uh, warm and uplifting. And I hope when he hears this, He's even that much more encouraged to know that uh, you are somebody who compliments, compliments, and it compliments him um, in a in a powerful way um, because of both of you, you your own strength and uh, and styles. Now, as we bring this for, uh, for an end, so one, I want to say thank you once again, Regina, for joining me for the, the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I want to I want to say if you're listening in and. And you're wondering, how do I get a hold of Regina? This is how you get a hold of her. Now, and I'll put this on the screen so you're able to see this as well. And uh, so her Instagram is Legally Vasquez. So go go to go to her page, follow her, share some of her, her posts into your stories. Her The phone number to get a hold of her via text or phone call is 713-344-0997. And if you want to go to her website, it's Group.net. And if you're listening in, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.